This is just Zach Ansbury Channel. Welcome. Today's podcast clip comes from an interview with Professor Scott Coslow from Macquarie University. A whole bunch of different kinds of papers into journals. And one of the things that's useful to think about the way that as a reviewer, you kind of, the paper you see often is a function of a very serious, intense academic working virtually alone somewhere far away in a dark office. Okay? Okay. And they often don't talk to anybody about their research because, well, either they're afraid to talk to other people about their research or, more typically, most people don't care. All right, so they're sitting there, they're working alone by themselves, they have this really great idea, and they write it up and they send it off to a journal. And then three anonymous people sit there and criticize the paper. This is not a great system, mm. okay, but it is the system that we have. So when you're writing a review, you just have to imagine they're this lone writer off somewhere who never talks to anybody, and this is where they're going to get the feedback. Your purpose as a reviewer, is not to criticize the work, okay, and not to evaluate it. It's usually obvious whether or not it's really going to be really good work or not, mm. okay? And it's not, it, it, people think that it's, it's hard to make these decisions about, is this good enough? It's actually a fairly easy decision. And after you've, you're familiar with the literature, you can pretty much say, that's a winner, that's a no, this is a maybe. <laughs> After okay. reading it once or at what point? It doesn't take a lot. Yeah. One, one, some, sometimes you can just skim the thing and figure yeah. that one out. Okay, And the reviewers often really see the same thing over and over and over again. And you have three reviewers and they all think something very similar about this paper. But your purpose as a reviewer mm. is not to make a judgment on the paper. Well, obviously you have to and you have to say... Revise and resubmit, accept, go away, whatever it happens to be. But your purpose is to help that person do better research. Okay. That's it. That's Nobody can substitute for that. They're working by themselves. This is the way they get feedback, and this is the only feedback they're probably ever going to get. Okay. So when they send the paper, and sometimes they're sort of asking the wrong question, and you have to say, you know what? You really should be asking this question because that's the relevant one. Okay, and tweak them towards that regards. And you know, sometimes obviously there's there's methodological flaws in papers. There actually aren't too many papers that come through with methodological flaws. It is more typical. It's like, why the stuff did they do that? Why did they ask that question? They missed. They could have asked something simpler and done something more powerful. This happens routinely, or it's sort of like this is really nice work, but they don't realize what they've got. Yeah. They're actually studying this other issue, not the issue that they think that they are. Um, one of the biggest problems, and, and this is just one of many problems, is say they've got some scales that they use, multi-item scales, all fine and scientific, uh, follows the academic traditions, but they misinterpret what their scales are. They call it construct X when you read the items, and it's like, no, that con- that's construct Y, and and so forth. Uh you really have to be helpful. Much of a reviewer's role is to give away ideas. I still remember 
Wow. Never heard of it that way before. No, it, it is. I still remember I, I asked one of my colleagues, a very good colleague, um, to review a paper. Um, and I was the area editor at the time. And so he went off, he wrote an incredibly competent review, um, criticized the paper for all the correct spots, mm-hmm. and then that was it. Okay? And then I wrote the AE report that and the other reviewers, the other reviewers all said competently, this is what's bad about the paper. But my AE report, area editor report, was about how should you do better work. Now, that paper was clearly, it was going to be rejected. It was not up to the standard. Okay, But I went and said, look, these are the kinds of issues you should be focused on. These kind of methods are the kinds of things that you should be using. And I go through and I lay out the entire format. This is what you should be doing. Now, my colleague, he was in the same department as me, and uh, after I had sent out the AE report, he gets to see the AE report and what the other reviewers' comments were and so forth. You never get to see who the, the authors were, of mm. course. Um, and he goes, he stops by my office and he says, Scott, you just pretty much told them, you know, you, you did all the work for them. And it's like, no, they still have to do the research. Yeah. Okay? They have to go out and do, you know, do this work. But you laid out the roadmap for them. And it's like, that's what we do. If you want to advance the field, that's what you have to do. Now, one of those, I I can almost guess, one of those big best reviewer awards, I know what I got it for. There was one particular paper that came into Jams. Um, It had a very interesting effect. The authors themselves couldn't understand why it was that effect. And what it was was that, I'm trying to remember this particularly well, and I'm probably going to screw up and get a lot of the details wrong, but I'll go ahead and try it anyways. So what they were doing is they were looking at um, the effects of, I don't know what you call them now, sort of, um, who are they? They're sort of consultants that work in in the finance industry. They make recommendations on on, uh, whether or not they think firms are doing the right thing. And they're, they're, it's a, how do I say this? Um, so this, it's a semi-finance paper to whereas they were analyzing stock price returns. Okay? And it was these analysts who seemed to have the effect. And that if the firms, they were the ones determining whether or not, when, when a company announced a new strategy, mm. the strategy, the announcement of the new strategy didn't seem to affect share price. At least until these analysts gave it a tick. Okay, it's like okay. an endorsement type of... It's an endorsement mm. kind of stuff. Okay? Mm. And it's like, why was it these analysts that make the big difference, not the announcement, the strategy? Okay? Well, one of the things that's about these analysts is they're largely allowed to go talk to folks in the firms and question them and, and, and the like. Ordinary investors can't, but they're allowed to. Yeah. And then they can go and make their, their recommendations. So pretty much who they have to appeal to is not the market in general, but rather to these analysts because the analysts are sort of the gatekeeper of the information. Yeah. Okay? Now, the authors didn't get this. Okay? And I, I looked at it and it's like, yes, this is a two-staged kind of model. This is, this is cool. And so what I went and did, I said, okay, guys, I'm going to write your introduction for you. Okay. Okay? And I sat there, and I rewrote the entire introduction for them. Now, mind you, they went and they rewrote what I said, 
Okay, so it's definitely their paper, but I gave them an example of this is exactly what you should be talking about. Okay, and I laid it out, and it was going to be one of these papers that's like, you know, it's a really strong method, but these these guys don't have a clue what they they've got. Mm. Okay, they got something fabulous, but they don't know how to make sense of it. I told them exactly this is how you make sense of it. Okay, and I suspect it's for that one review that I wrote that I got the best paper award because all of a sudden it's like it went from being something that such a strong method we don't want to reject it in the first round mm-hmm. but we don't know how it's going to progress to publication and I laid out the roadmap you do this paper did fabulous okay yeah and that that's what you're supposed to do you're supposed to give away ideas give away ideas and that's really that's I mean because I'm quite early on in my um, reviewing academic career uh I think I've reviewed about 20 journals now, mm. roughly. And, um, yeah, it's the first time I've heard of that type of approach. Um, I've always tried to help the authors um, improve their work, whether I think that it should be accepted to the journal or not. I always try to give constructive yeah. feedback and to um, help them to understand maybe some flaws in their method or, or help yeah. them to, to see how they could write the paper better. But I'm going to take that approach from now on. I think that's really good. Um, let's see how I go. Yeah. Maybe by the end of my career, I'll <laughs> win a Best Reviewer Award. <laughs> there, there's sort of this idea of, and, and some people don't want to do this. They can actually think that, and they say, the data set's great. If they position the paper this way, it would actually fly. Mm. And there are plenty of folks I know that could say that about papers, but they won't say it in a review. And I'm thinking, why are you not saying that in the review? And it's like, yeah. oh, well, maybe that's a paper I should publish. And it's like, oh, for Pete's sake, you yeah. got enough work. All right? Yeah. There's <laughs> always another idea. Oh, science never ends. And I don't know any academics who are sitting around thinking, if only I had an idea. I mean, that's part of the reason I find uh, professors like David Corkendale, for example, mm-hmm. who, who, well, still works here but is, is retired, mm-hmm. hasn't retired. Yeah. It's because he has all these ideas that he hasn't done and he's had a, a, a long career. Yeah. They, they, they don't ever end these ideas. Um, yeah. So why do you need to this other one? Help someone else publish and advance the field. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a way better way of going about it. And, and don't sit there and sort of hog your ideas and Ooh. say, ooh, that's mine, that's mine. It's like, oh, for Pete's sake, we're in this wonderful field to where his ideas are free. Just give them away because <laughs> there's always another better one that's going to be around the corner. That's very true. And do you find that with um, like the supervision of PhD students? So like obviously you have to help them, guide them yep. to finding and identifying a gap in the literature and um, <sighs> moving them forward. So you have to be also be um, not selfish in those ideas mm-hmm. as well and to share them and to help them um, move forward for their career. Is that similar similar approach? Yeah, but I sort of got um, – you, you made a phrase that sounded like uh, fingernails on a chalkboard to me. Okay. Okay. And that was find a gap in the literature. Oh, for Pete's sake, you don't find gaps in the literature. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fickle. Don't 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 even go down that route because then you're sort of filling nooks and crannies that are not the main thing that everybody's interested in. Um, no, don't do not go down the route of finding the gap in the literature. Mm. You figure out what you want to do that's important. Yeah. Eventually, you'll sort of be able to figure out that actually was a gap in the literature. But that's not how you find the gap in the literature. You have to go some other route. And when you realize what you're doing is a gap in the literature, then maybe you know 
that you're doing something that's good, but it's it's not the f- way forward. It's the way that you know that you've arrived. Okay. Yes, yeah, that's a really that's a really good way of um, looking at it. I think actually. Um, so you've uh, like I went to your presentation yesterday, and one of the things that you mentioned was all about the positioning of the story and giving, um, I guess, the reviewers, but also as the readers at the end of it, a story to go along with your data. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that quite often papers won't get rejected because of like method issues or anything like that. Oh, they well, they all, get rejected for methods issues. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. But, but if, if it's strong, it's sometimes the positioning of the paper that sort of... Yeah. Um, did you want to give us an example there? You spoke yesterday about... Um, yeah, you had an had a article that the reviewers didn't originally like the story. And yeah, it, it was a qualitative piece. It was yeah. recent. Um, a doctoral student, uh, John Parker, really sharp guy, um, he wants to do some qualitative research on uh, sort of message strategy uh, in advertising. So most of it's on message strategy, and part of it's about insight. Um, beautiful data, lots of great interviews. I thought very insightful. Hey guys, it's Zach Ainsbury here with just a couple of quick reminders. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, then make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. There are plenty more interviews to come with some of the world's leading marketing academics and the practitioners. You do not want to miss these. In the meantime, if you're looking for another way to connect, then follow me on Twitter at Zach Ainsbury. That is Z-A-C-A-N-E-S-B-U-R-Y. For my take on the marketing issues of the day.